On this episode, cats and small children's clothing, glamour versus reality, and what exactly is a thru-hike? Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Hello everyone and welcome to the Almost There Adventure podcast. Uh, this is the second episode in our March celebration of Awesome Women in the Outdoors for, for Women's History Month and uh, this week we have uh, Maggie Sleepian. Maggie, welcome to, the, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, so Maggie, you, you're, you're a writer, um, obviously a hiker, an outdoors person. Why don't you just uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself? You covered it. I am a hiker, a writer, an outdoors person, and I love to dress my cat up in creepy small children's clothing when I'm not hiking or riding or doing things outdoors. We need to see a picture. We need, we need, no, we need a picture for the show notes. We absolutely. 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, 100%. oh can I send you, can I send you a picture of every one of his creepy small children outfits? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I don't know if my hard drive is big enough, but. Uh, you know, send the best. <laughs> yeah, we, okay. we can't oh, promise wow. they will all be used, but you can send as many as you like. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So, Maggie, the question is, does the cat in the creepy outfits ever go backpacking? No, he's okay. not the hardiest of creatures. So he doesn't go outside, but he really he really loves to wear clothing. And I think that's kind of, unfortunately, this past year um, been part of a defining, I guess, become part of a defining part of my personality, which says a lot about how this past has treated me oh man yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's kind of funny um I, I almost feel like i know you even though we have not actually met uh because i have been watching interview footage of you for a documentary thing i'm sort of helping out on um so i've watched tons oh. and tons and tons of footage of you over the last month uh talking um, did you watch the footage wow. of me crying in the truck like every day i haven't got there yet i'm almost there I'm about halfway through, so you're still sort of like slightly terrified, but not. I don't think you've you've reached like peak uh, peak peak terrified. But um, well, at the end, I just cry all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I think this begs a, an explanation. So you need to kind of like let our listeners know what the hell are you talking about, dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, Maggie, why don't you tell everyone what it is and the project and, and how you got involved in all that kind of stuff? Okay. Um, so over the summer, my boyfriend, Jeffrey Frederick Legend Garmeyer, set the Colorado Trail record um, unsupported. And I went along and we also brought a film crew. Um, Jeff and I were part of this potential pilot for a television show over the summer, um, which we didn't end up continuing on with, but we met some super cool people through that, um, drone pilots, cameramen, film directors. Um, and so we collected this team of people and brought them to Colorado with us for Jeff's record. And then as we're getting into the planning and getting all the materials and hosting these calls with people, I realized that Jeff was going to be doing the record. So I was going to be in charge of running the film crew. And that seemed obvious 
um, to everybody else except me, who was surprised when Jeff left for the record and I was facing this film crew. Like, well, now what do we do? But it worked great. And so we had um, a logistics guy who also operated a camera and he had hiked the Colorado Trail twice. And he was able to kind of create this uh, map of access points for us because once Jeff was out there, we couldn't communicate with him at all because the record was totally unsupported. And so we had to kind of gauge um, his location based on his GPS pings. And we had this guy um, who was able to very accurately um, estimate where Jeff was going to be for our cameraman to kind of um, find him, hide in the bushes on the trail and catch him as he went by. And then we had a director who put together the storyline and did the interviews with us. Um, you had me who just cried in town because I couldn't go near the trailhead. I ate a lot of snacks in the truck and popped my sleeping pad on a cactus. Um, we had a still photographer who did social. We had um, an incredibly talented cameraman drone pilot um, who's also helping produce. And then Jeff and I funded the shoot ourselves. And so I guess um, technically I'm the EP on it. Yeah. I mean, again, it's going to be pretty great, I can say, just from having gone through about somewhere between half and three quarters of the footage. It's going to be, they got you got some spectacular stuff. You guys did an amazing job. So obviously there will be much Thank more you. about this down the road. So just, I guess this is the first time we'll tease it here. And then I'm sure there'll be much more teasing about it, you know, in coming months and, you know years i don't know however long it takes us to finish it so <laughs> um but but also I, I think one thing it was kind of funny um i followed you on you just you know kind of through legend legend was our second guest for those of you who've been listening for a long time or want to go back and listen if you want some context on legend he was our second guest ever on the podcast um but uh i've been following you on social media just through legend and everything so it's uh, um and it's kind of funny so i've kind of known who you are through that but then I just clicked on a couple of backpacking, like a backpacking uh, essay you had written maybe a month ago. And then it took me, I read it and then looked at the byline and realized it was you. So I didn't even know it was you. But I thought both of the, I read then another one you wrote recently. And I thought both were just great topics that we haven't really addressed on the show. So I thought it'd be kind of great to uh, bring those up. Um, the first which one, one, well, the, I think, why don't we'll, we'll maybe go, I don't know which one was first, but why don't we start with the one, like sort of the idea of if you haven't done a through hike, you know, the PCT or the triple crown, like, are you good enough? That one that was kind of about, um, through hiking. But you're still a backpacker, even if you're not a through hiker. Exactly. Oh yes. That was for, that was written for backpacker, right? Yes. That both of these, like, the ones right. I, I'm talking about were in backpacker magazine. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Those are really fun to write. Um, Backpacker is awesome because they gave me a really short word count, which is hard for me as someone who is incredibly verbose. And um, yes, I had to kind of get my thoughts out in seven or 800 words, which I think is really good for me to learn how to be concise. And so I had to really pare down my ideas with both of these topics for these essays. And um, yeah, so the, the idea for you're not you're not not a backpacker if you're not on a triple crown trail came from talking to my friends in the through hiking community this year all remotely who weren't able to either do their triple crown trails or hadn't done one yet or maybe they were going to do their second or third trail the pandemic hit maybe they haven't done any trails at all and they want to be part of this hiking community which is i think pretty vocal online and has kind of um a core group of people involved with it who are incredibly vocal and prolific on the internet um, and they were feeling like they weren't really valid in this industry. And I know, um, the backpacking corner of the outdoor industry is really small. The through hiking corner is even smaller. The obsessive through hikers are the smallest corner of it. Um, uh, but I think that once you're enveloped in this world, you can start to have 
kind of an an idea of yourself that's formulated by these very standardized metrics. And so if everything's quantifiable, if you can say, I'm a backpacker, this is how many miles I've hiked, these are the main trails I've hiked, um, you hike one of them and you're like, okay, cool, I have six months of backpacking under my belt from hiking one trail. You hike two of them and you're like, dang, you're a badass, you've taken a year out of your life to go hike. And you hike the Triple Crown and you've kind of, you've done this feat that I think fewer people have done that than landed on the moon or maybe that I just completely made that up. I read somewhere, something about Everest, I have no idea. But there's not a lot of people who have hiked the Triple Crown and it can kind of, it becomes this status thing and, you know, one is good, two is better, three is, you know, you've really done it. And if you're in the backpacking world and you haven't done any of them, you can start to feel like you're not valid. And I think one thing that this year taught us is that anytime you're getting out there, anytime you're experiencing the backcountry, no matter how slow, how fast you're hiking, if you've hiked any of these major trails, if you've hiked a national skiing trail or haven't done it, you're still valid because you're out there doing it. And also, who are we to quantify someone's validity in the outdoors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I would absolutely agree. And it's, it's, you know, I think it's fantastic that the people have done it. I mean, I haven't done one. None of us have actually, none of the three of us, although Jeff and I are threatening to, uh, <laughs> well, hopefully 2022 maybe next, year, PCT. Maybe next year. That's our threat. We'll see. Yeah. Next um, year. I know you might too, right? Maggie, did I see somewhere you say something about that? Or that maybe in the article, I read something about that or, or you were going to do it. No, you were going to do it last year and you, you canceled. That's maybe. Yeah. yeah. I was your, um, I was your classic 2020 no go PCT hiker. I canceled yeah. my flights. Um, everyone's heard me cry about this on the internet. I canceled my flights, I think five or six weeks uh, before I was supposed to go. And I had, everything planned out. I had my Sierra box with my wolf bikes and my wool ice axe. And I had my bear can that I didn't want to carry, but I was going to because it's what you're supposed to do. And I had all my stuff planned. Um, I had quit my job. I had renters taking care of my cat. And so part of where this idea came from also for this article and this kind of train of thought um, is that I was not feeling valid at all. And so what I didn't say before is that my own self-esteem and self-worth was unfortunately starting to be impacted by these quantifiable metrics where five years ago or more now I hiked the Appalachian Trail and that is the only long I mean I've done other long trails um, but that's the only triple crown trail I've done and so I was the managing editor for the track which is completely focused on long distance backpacking mostly the triple crown trails and my boss at the time told me that they wanted to bring on some staff writers but he said one of the um, one of the policy, I don't know the word right now, but um, one of one of his standards for writers who would work under me is that he wanted them to have hiked the entire Triple Crown. And I started thinking, what, oh man, like I wouldn't even be qualified to work for myself right now if I hadn't gotten into this job on the ground floor um, before it kind of was rebranded as this backpacking media company. Um, I wouldn't even qualify to work for myself. And so I started thinking, that it's definitely time I do another Triple Crown Trail and I'm ready and I'm financially stable. You know, right, this is pre-pandemic, I was financially stable. And I have cat care and house care and I'm gonna get my job back afterwards. And so once I hike the PCT, I'm gonna feel like I'm relevant again in my industry and in my job. And I will deserve to write about backpacking again as this career path. And yeah, it didn't That's go a lot so of well. pressure. I mean, yeah, to, to is... think that, oh gosh, if you don't do, you know, invest five months or six months of your life to go hike a triple crown trail that you can't be credible. You know, that's, that's tough. 
you know, yeah. and, and it's unrealistic, too. And we're not all legend. Then, we can't all do all three in one year. So, right, like did. Right. So, so, I mean, if you think about it, that's not even six months. That's like a year and a half if you break it out over three years at standard human pace, right? So, I mean, that's that's just kind of like you shouldn't put that on yourself. And, and again, most people haven't even done a full through hike. Well, you know, a lot of people in this industry or whatever. I mean, you know, it's more about how much you love it, right? I mean, that, at the end of the day. So, but it uh, should be. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've, I've always kind of like bristled at snobbery and, and this kind of stuff personally. I, I feel like it's kind of like, okay, congratulations. I'm very happy for you that you got to do this. But if that's something that you feel gives you, you know, cause to look down on other people who've done less, I, I don't know. I feel that's not what outdoor stuff and adventure and nature loving should be about, at least for me. But, you know. Hike, hike your own hike. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And most people are like that, like legend, you know, yeah. airborne, all these other people that I've met that have done these amazing things are like the nicest people. And they're excited. If you, about, they ask you what you're doing. I said, I just went for a day hike. And they're as excited that you went for a day hike that they just did like, you know, some insane fast, you know, like, like, like three crazy things. So, I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, I mean, I, I hope it doesn't, the, this doesn't, the business or the writing of it doesn't get too wrapped up into that. But I, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people talk about getting the FKT or the fastest known time on, on a trail, like the Colorado Trail. Um, I think Jason and I are in the running for the SKT. I think we should start a website, SKT. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, just go for, only post the slowest known times on a trail. Yeah. I, I think we might have gotten it on the Wonderland Trail, Jeff. 13 oh my days gosh, is yeah. a long time to do the Wonderland Trail. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably enjoyed it a lot. Oh yeah. Well, not day yeah. two, but but we don't need to go. We don't need to talk about day two. That's been. That's There's been, always that's a little covered. suffering, right? Yeah, that's been covered, <laughs> and it doesn't need to be covered anymore or thought about ever again. But yeah, no, we did. It was great. Um, you know, uh, and it also worked out. One of the reasons that worked out for us is we got a walk-in permit as opposed to a lottery one. So we ended up because they save a certain percentage of camp, you know, camp reservations for walk-ins. We knew because we were like 13 days out to what we got like the prime campsites, you know, towards the end of our trip, which was kind of a neat way that it, that worked out for us. So, Maggie, I have a question for you. Um, when you know you're talking about like there's this external pressure, right, to sort of validate yourself as a backpacker or a through hiker. Um, what like advice could you give to listeners to sort of how you've sort of made that balance, right, of like the external pressure versus the internal pressure that you put on yourself versus just finding the joy and whatever it is that you're going to be doing, whatever trip it is. Like, what would you tell people who are sort of having that pressure of like, Oh, you're just going for like an overnight. Oh, okay. Like, Oh, you're not doing the John Muir trail this, you know, summer. Like, Oh, okay. Like what would you sort of, for people who are getting into backpacking and are even curious about through hiking as like, right. Through hiking, like what does that even mean? And yeah. What, how do you, what advice would you give to people to, for yeah what advice would you give i think that the advice that you give is so much easier said than done and so you can tell so all day to ignore the external pressure don't listen to people who are competing with you about mileage and trail types and um and how long it took you to do something or if you hiked the wonderland trail in six days or 13 days but you can't you can't come to terms with that until you're comfortable with yourself and your confidence in yourself and so my biggest advice is to just check in with yourself all the time. Are you having fun? Is this worthwhile to you? Are you enjoying yourself? And if the answer is yes, without any pressure from the outside, without anyone else's influence who's making you feel like you're lesser than they are because you're not doing as much or you haven't done as much, then 
you just have to learn to ignore it. And I had a really hard time with that on the AT. I focused constantly on the fact that, you know, by the time I got, you know, through the first couple states, there were people whose start dates were eight or nine days after me and they had caught up to me and then they passed me. And I kept thinking, okay, I'm on the AT, but I'm still not good enough. And I'm like, I'm still going slower. And oh my gosh, I took three zeros already. What's wrong with me? I'm fragile. I'm weak. And I still, even though I hiked, hiked the AT, I still didn't feel like I was good enough. And I think that there's always going to be that outside pressure, but you just have to come to terms with your own capabilities and your own timeline and your own financial situation. And once you have that in place, you'll be fine, but it's really just a matter of being confident with yourself and confident with your own accomplishments, I guess. And so that's the only advice I can give is just ignore it and stay confident. I like it. I also love, um, you know, you said you the important thing is to have fun, but I think as all of us know, um, there's probably no long or big trip that we've all done where every day was all like sunshine and unicorns and like rainbows. So one of the things I love about your Instagram is you're like, this is like, there's the backpacking that's like portrayed or like adventure that's portrayed in social media. And then there's the real pictures. And I loved going through your Instagram and just seeing like, these are all of my quote unquote ugly pictures. It's like, this is what it actually looks like when you can't find a good campsite. And this is what my face looks like when I wake up in the morning. Like, I have the same thing. If I'm at altitude, I have like a huge puffy face, like when I'm at elevation, when I wake up every morning. And it's like not the cute, like coffee cup steaming with the beautiful Alpine lake in the background. Um, so talk a little bit about that. of just like wanting that balance of portraying the reality versus like people who come in. Yeah, absolutely. So this is something else that's kind of been on my mind for a while. Um, kind of in the past, well, I guess in the past six months since I've gone full-time freelance, I feel like I've sort of forced myself to be more active on the internet. Um, every time I go outside or every time I write something, I try to point people in the direction of my writing and, um, my backpacking trips usually end up being kind of a segue into something that I do write. And so I did this hike in November on the Oregon coast trail with two other uh, female backpackers and the photos that we ended up posting the, I mean, none of them were really that indicative of the majority of the trip, which was gray with a lot of miles of road walking and rainy and not super scenic and definitely out of season. But the photos that we ended up posting were oversaturated, enhanced pictures of the few really nice sunsets that we had and the few really nice campsites. We ended up on um, Backpacker Magazine reposted one of the most dramatic pictures where we weren't even on the correct trail because I got us lost. And so um, it just kind of brought to mind what a difference there is between the reality of backpacking and also um, what people are seeing on the internet. And especially with, um, I think I wrote about this positive feedback loop that kind of puts you in a smaller and smaller box where you want to see people liking your picture and sharing it and gaining new followers from this these like little hits of dopamine you get every time you get this positive reinforcement on the internet. And so you see that these pictures that you post that are the brighter colors and the more dramatic scenery, um, there's a very specific and obvious formula for the photos that gets the most attention. And so that positive feedback loop creates this more narrow corridor for what we're going to portray about the backpacking experience, which I is anyone who's backpacked knows it's not accurate. We don't like we don't hike up to overlooks and it, we, we look gross and sweaty and most of the trail is probably treed over and if there was an overlook you couldn't see because there's dead branches in the way or you're on a road walk or the weather sucks your campsite's at like a 30 degree angle and um, but those aren't the pictures that that get the good responses from your audience and so 
as a result, yeah, what you're seeing is just not an accurate portrayal of the realities of backpacking. So that's why I wrote that second piece. And I never read the comments, but I think people agree with me, maybe. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that the, the um, it is a, a problem. And I, I wonder, like, what kind of impact does that have on people who, because like this last year with COVID, a lot of people have you know, joined the outdoor community, you know, almost by, you know, lack of any other choice, right? So they're out there hiking and the, the trails are more crowded. And, and now people are looking at, you know, camping and backpacking, and they see those beautiful shots on Instagram or on Facebook or wherever. And they think, I want to do that. I want to see that. I want to have live that myself. And, you know, what happens when they go there and they find out, Ugh. you know it was hard it was ugly it was rainy it was cold you know there were trees down it was awful you know and, oh there was that one cool sunrise we saw that was that was nice but there was a lot of stuff that you go through that's really not represented in what you see in most people's instagram feeds but i don't know what the right answer is i don't know what the solution is yeah i i, I don't know that it's so bad like you know i spend my a lot of my time when I'm not backpacking is spent sitting in a chair staring at a monitor. So, you know, I don't mind seeing these beautiful, happy, wonderful pictures. It kind of cheers me up. You know what I mean? I know, it, and I know it's not the reality. I think most people, once they do their first backpacking trip, know that it's not a reality or have some sense that it's not all a reality. But it is, it is true. I, I do get the sense that it's, you know, I can see where the, the fantasy and whatever, you know, can, can lead people in the wrong direction. But does it bother you that it's, fake and that it's curated specifically to fit a certain style and aesthetic even because you know the reality so even if you don't think that it's a negative does it bother you that you know that people are doing it on purpose to to curate more attention for themselves no no, no. i'm an editor so all i do nine to five my entire life is cut out the stuff that people don't want to see so that's like my livelihood <laughs> so no it doesn't bother me at all <laughs> i think for me i worry that it um it creates this inaccessibility or it creates this exclusive feeling because you look at these pictures and you're like, well, that could never be me, right? Like, I, I like, like that could never be me that, like, that I could never climb to the top of that ridge or I could never do this thing. And so I think that's something that I'm really passionate about is, like, helping people realize that, one, like, you can find goals in beautiful places that don't, that aren't inaccessible and that also there are, you know, yeah, that I, I do, you know, does to your question, Maggie, it does bother me a little bit. <laughs> and especially, you know, I think there should be like, people should honestly say like filter used on these pictures. Cause like I've seen these apps where you can put in like a beautiful starry sky, like into your, so it's like, that that wasn't the reality of it. Like I've looked at these apps, I was like, and you're tempted. Like there's this piece of you that's tempted to be like, well, my picture would be so much more amazing if I put the beautiful sunset button or if I put the starry sky thing but that's not the reality of it and so um yeah i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with having beautiful pictures to look at but like own it like sort of say you know like be like this is a beautiful place with my star filter you know or this is like what my tent site really looked at um yeah i i think my i think the bigger the issue i have and and what you went into the essay and what you mentioned in the beginning there was the the notion of the uh, like the likes and the dopamine and the way it gets you hooked and the way your self-image can get wrapped up in that. Um, even I, I mean, I even I bought into it a little bit when I first got into Instagram, you know, and, and we had a, I had a thing where we I grew so fast. Like I was growing like a thousand a month. And then the day they introduced that algorithm thing, not mm -hmm. one not one additional more follower, 
you know, I've had other people join, but other people leave. Like my my following literally plateaued there and has not changed in like what four years or however however long it's been since they okay. introduced that. So it kind of feels like a scam too, a little bit, right? But also the likes, you know, and how wrapped up. You're like, oh, only fifty people liked my thing. Boo. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you know, now I'm past it. But it was definitely a thing, and I can see how people get wrapped up in that. You know. Uh, and that side of it, and I think that side of it, there's a lot of negativity and a lot of issues there. I, I think I worry about the fact that you've got people who are new to backpacking and or you know getting outdoors, and they go and they expect that it's going to be this certain experience, and then they walk away disappointed and maybe turned off by it, you know, and like I'm not mm-hmm. going to go back. This is stupid. I don't, you know, I'm going to go back to uh, you know my Xbox or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't even have Instagram on my phone. Um, I took it off, I don't know when now. Um, I, I plug it back in so I can upload a picture and be like, read my writing when something publishes. Um, but yeah, I think that, yeah, that fixation or I, the, um, it's almost like, again, like we go back to this validation thing. It's another form of validation because you can quantify it by seeing the number of people who follow you or who unfollowed you or who like your pictures and I know people who completely fixate on it and their world is centered around this kind of not real curated existence and especially because if it is dictated by an algorithm who's to say what the reality is behind the people who are seeing things or they get really upset because they think they have too many followers and not enough people looked at it and it's like oh my heck how much time out of your day are you spending thinking about this and I wonder also if the isolation from the pandemic has something to do with it, where so much of our time is spent on the internet and remote right now. Um, but I agree with Jeff that I think it can be damaging for people, especially this year, to look at these photos and see these people who they think are getting out there all the time and always looking so bomb and always going to the most incredible overlooks. And, you know, maybe my flat hike in Minnesota isn't super cool compared to this. But if you look closely at a lot of these curated feeds, you're seeing that these people are wearing the same outfits and they're in the same area. So they're doing these photo shoots on their three hikes that they did a year. And so what you're looking at, this amazing photo of this girl hiking above the clouds and all this, these bright colors is like, oh, this has been posted several times, just cropped differently. This is from one hike. Or, you know, if you do this Washita Trail hike, that no, that's a bad example. Um, the old Gallatin Crest Trail I did, I, it was a 40-mile hike. Jeff, um, my boyfriend and I, not Jeff here, um, did this over the summer. And, oh, my goodness, I dig into the archives for photos from that hike to point people in the direction of my writing all the time. Like, I'm wearing the same clothing. It is the same hike. It's probably the same ridge line. Jeff just took a photo from a different angle, but I look really good in the pictures. It's super scenic, and it was a beautiful time of year, and I was tan. And so those photos get posted a lot, but it's not that I'm always out there. It's that I did this hike over the course of a day and a half with Jeff, and I post the photos all the time. So these are great tips for if you want to work the algorithm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, multiple shots, different angles. There you go. Yeah. 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 Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to give Jeff a little a little bit of a PTSD scenario here and talk about like signs because the big thing that he deals with is uh, here in Southern California, he does this, you know, the six peaks of challenges. I don't know if you've heard of it, Maggie, but it's a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people do it. And one of the biggest things is like some of the peaks don't have signs, like are not like forest service, you know, signs. And like people yeah. have literally posted on social media, there was no sign up there. What's the point of going up there if there's no sign? You know, and it's just like how how wrong mentally from like me and how most of the people I know that love the outdoors is you're thinking that if, you know, if you don't get the Instagram picture with the sign, 
you know, that it's not, not a worthy, that it didn't happen. That it didn't yeah. happen or it's not a worthy like exploit. <laughs> and then like That's I did so one long. of them, uh, new year's day with my friend Toby, we did strawberry peak and there were six signs, six or seven <laughs> homemade signs that people had made and brought up there and left up there. So there's a picture. If you go back on my feed a few weeks, you'll see with my friend yeah. Toby holding six signs for strawberry peak, you know, so, my favorite, my favorite is Baden Powell that has like different different elevations. Yeah. So Baden Powell has like three signs up there, and like two of them have different elevations. And so like I held, and it's like a foot or two different, so I held them like one or two feet apart. Yeah. So like the higher <laughs> one, like look, I'm like this much higher than the lower sign. But yeah. Hey, I improved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it totally works. Yeah, and I think you know, talking about like the the perfect portrayal. I mean, for me, I think, you know the trips or the experiences I've learned the most on have been the ones that have been uncomfortable where I have been pushed mm -hmm. out of my comfort zone because it was raining or cold or I got, you know, blisters because of a new pair of shoes or whatever. And so, um, and I think there's so much value in that, right? There's so much value in the learning that takes place and sort of um, being in those moments of discomfort on these trips because that's where you sort of really dig deep. Um, and again, like that's not part of this, that's not part of Instagram. Um, but I think there's a lot of value in that. Although yeah. you falling in the water with your dad, good picture. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> like he was my dad, it's always an adventure. Well, well, it's a good thing for you, Severia, that we all agree that like doing a triple crown hike is, isn't something that you need to have like cred. Cause Severia is the one of us that doesn't even really like long backpacking trips. Yet she's also she's the most fair. badass. I mean, she's done three Ironman and whatever. So you're gonna say nice. that like Severia isn't badass because she hasn't done one of these like, uh, you know sort of three things i mean that's it's just kind of a ridiculous thing yeah i have right. like i'm much more about i'm much more like take a million pictures you know get out there and like go in go deep go high but um yeah we did tahoe rim trail and i was like you know what tahoe rim trail that basically made me realize like through hiking like is not my thing and i think for me um the biggest reason was just because you especially when you're doing those long distance hikes it's actually there's so much planning and there's mm -hmm. so much logistics that are involved in that that I felt like every day was making sure like we met our mileage, make sure, you know, cause like you have to make your day because you, you have planned out the food and like all these things. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think there's a little bit more flexibility on shorter trips. There's a little bit more give and take and, you know, or if you're doing it out and back versus a loop mm -hmm. or like, you know, where you're coming back to destination, you can just sort of be like, you know what, this, this lake is perfect. Let's just yeah, stay totally. here. <laughs> yeah. I, when, uh, so my wife and I did the John Muir trail, you know, the year before Jason did, uh, a long time ago now, but one of the things that Schultz say is that, you know, it was, it was hard. And we remember that it was hard. You know, there were points when you're like, I don't know, is it worth going on? I don't know. And, and you question that. And then at the, and then, you know, at the end you're like, oh, we did it, you know, and you feel good about that. And there was great experiences. And then time goes and you think, well, I'm never going to do that again. You know, <laughs> there's some of that, right? And then time goes by and pretty soon the the hardship starts to fade away and you remember all the good things and the feeling of satisfaction, the feeling of accomplishment. And you think, yeah, you know, maybe we should do something like that again. Yeah, I, uh, and it was funny. I, I had a weird coming off of the trail when we did it because, you know, and I was slightly ready for it to be over, you know, because the physical toll it takes on you. You know, you want pizza and you want a cheeseburger. But I had pizza and a cheeseburger 
got home and literally like I was home for six hours and I was on a flight to a family reunion. You know, I have this massive Irish Catholic family. I have like 110 of my cousins. I mean, like literally right off the trail, thrown into like a hundred of my relatives in Minnesota and me, you know, and I, I it was funny. I, I only lasted maybe a few days before I wanted to be back out on the trail. I sort of realized, you know, there was definitely like, I needed maybe a little break, but then I kind of realized, Oh man, it's, it's going to be a long time before it's that good again, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but do you agree? I mean, I don't know if it's just something that we experience, but like the, you start to remember, I mean, you, there are, you remember that there was hardship, but I think some of that fades over time. And you, you think you remember more of the good things and the good feelings that go along with it. And even the hardships, they feel like, well, you know, that was not, it was not so bad. You know, we accomplished it. We made it. We survived. You know, the rain didn't wash us away. We didn't melt. Everything but day two of the Wonderland Trail is yes. Everything but uh, that'll never be erased. No, that'll that'll never be. That'll never be a fond memory for me. (laughs) So, Maggie, what did you, so your uh, 2020 PCT plans were canceled. Um, In your article, you talked about not applying this year. And I think it's, you know, everyone was is within their comfort zones. I think it's socially super responsible. So I just would like to throw that out there um, with everything that's going on right now. Um, and I commend you for that. Um, what other fun things have you been doing? So like now that sort of that long trail piece is off, like what have you been doing to sort of feed your soul and to keep you excited about being outdoors and getting out? Um, well, when I lost my job in August, I had to start working a lot more to try to pay the mortgage. So I spend a lot of time in front of the computer, despite what my online presence shows, which is me just like always outside doing super cool things. It's definitely not the case. Um, I pick a new outfit for my cat to wear each morning, and I just try to find more freelance work. Um, Jeff and I hiked the Washita Trail in November. Um, I did a section of the Oregon Coast Trail in November as well. I spent a ton of time outside this summer. Um, I did a lot of biking. I got a gravel bike this year. Um, yeah, I did some, did some good shorter through hikes, just a couple, I mean, not through hikes, I guess just backpacking trips in Montana. Um, didn't travel. I didn't, um, we, yeah, we did the Washington Trail, but I didn't go, I usually go back to New Hampshire and hike in the White Mountains with my dad. Um, I'd like to do the Cahos Trail in, um, in New Hampshire that goes up to the Canadian border. Um, so that's kind of on the plate for this coming year. But I spent a lot of time this year just rebuilding, like so many of us did. Um, I had, uh, two, at the beginning of 2020, I had two renters and a job. By the end of 2020, I had no renters and no job. And so a lot of this year was just thinking, how am I going to survive this as a freelancer who has a lot of bills each month to pay? And so, yes, yeah, and you just have to put your, you know, six months through hike aside because life throws a pandemic at you. Can you claim legend as a dependent? Is that is that is that work for um, you? For probably technically. <laughs> Don't I hope he doesn't listen to this, but no. kind of maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess one thing I know, and I've seen some posts about this, but to be honest, I'm not 100 percent sure what it is. You you have a new endeavor. What is it? Backpacking routes? Is that a new? Oh yeah, it's my baby. I love it. Um, so Jeff, our friend Andrew, and I co-founded backpacking routes as one of our pandemic projects because we were all really depressed and had no goals anymore and so yeah we created this website that we all wanted to exist which was if i have four days and i'm located in the southeast and it's the fall what kind of a backpacking trip can i do and we found that when we were we were all searching for these things because we had all three of us had really big plans for this year and none of them happened or last year i guess now and so 
the three of us had found ourselves quite frequently looking for these shorter adventures at different seasons um, that we didn't have a ton of time to plan for. And we just realized that there was no kind of cohesive resource online where you could click the link for a route or a trail and expect to have comprehensive information on it. And so, yeah, there's, you know, you have all trails, you have, um, I can't remember, it's owned by REI and it has a black background. I can't remember what it is. but Hiking Project, um, it's a, probably. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Wow, nice. Very impressive. Yeah, so All Trails and Hiking Project, and some of those routes are really good, and they are comprehensive, and you do get good information from them, but they're not really vetted, and they're crowdsourced. And so um, one thing I really missed in, in the backpacking realm that we do have in bikepacking, which I also do, is an incredible resource like bikepacking.com, where you can sort through all these different criteria based on um, the difficulty level that you are looking for, if it's a loop or if it's a point to point or your region, the distance, the time that you have, and you can find a route wherever you are and whatever time you have. And we didn't have that for backpacking, so that's what we started building this year. That is awesome. And I think that's such a good strategy, because I think to your point, right, because I just did a thing on trip planning and so many people just have like this big idea of like, oh, I want to do the PCT. And if I can't do it, then there's nothing, you know, it's like this all or nothing sort of mm-hmm. mentality. But I think um, so much of trip planning is that, right? Like how much time do I have? Like a lot of time it comes out of time. Like how much time do I have? Mm-hmm. How far is it for me? What am I fit? What am I, you know, what is my fitness level for? So being able to break it down um, by distance and location. I love that. Super. Yeah. And of course I just jumped on your website. I'm like, oh, very cool. Oh, it's that good. Yeah. And that um, we have an insane um, level of interest from the writing community, um, which I'm connected to fairly well just through my job and then my former job. Um, And so we get routes pitched to us all the time. One of our main things with backpacking routes is removing barriers to entry um, as far as information goes. And so um, making it really easy for people to download the GPS track and to locate the trailheads and, hey, here's how to get here. Here's some information on resupply. Here's what the route is like. But also um, on the creation side of it, we always pay our writers. And I think that was one of my huge issues as a creative in the outdoor industry is that it is so easy to be taken advantage of. And everybody wants to write in the outdoor industry. Everybody wants to take pictures in the outdoor industry. And so they're willing to do it for free or no money and or a free or <laughs> obviously um, free or very little money. And so one thing that we say, we say we don't publish a route if we don't have the money for it. And so Jeff, Andrew and I would split the route cost. And so we would just pay out of our bank accounts. Um, for writers to write so even if we didn't have a sponsorship for the route or money coming in they're like well we want this route so we each pitch in like 33 dollars and 33 cents we pay 100 bucks for the route and that money goes to the writer and it comes from our pockets but we're investing in this project and all three of us are writers in the outdoor industry who have been totally hosed before by clients or people who are like oh don't you want your byline here it's like yeah so i guess i'll do it for free and that sucks so we always pay our writers uh, whether or not we have money coming in from brands or partners we, we pay ourselves if we don't have that um, a couple thoughts on that. Have you guys thought of doing like a, a Patreon or some sort of form of like a donate or tip jar kind of thing on the site where, where people that use it, I don't know if you know what that is. I mean, a lot of it is. Just... I, I feel weird. <laughs> so here's, here's why Jeff does the business side of things that I manage the content. I just feel so weird asking for money. Um, our buddies over at light AF Instagram messaged me and they were like, it was Chris, and he was like, hey, can I sponsor a route? I was like, oh, my gosh, would you please? Yes, but I couldn't ask. He reached out, and he was like, how do I become involved? I'm like, this is this is just what should happen all the time, so then I never have to ask people for money. I just I, I feel weird asking for money. This is why I don't do the business. You know what, though? <laughs> like a nice thing with, like, a tip jar, I mean, hopefully if yeah. it works and people donate, you're not pushing it on them, you're not asking them. It's just mm-hmm. like, hey, there's this little thing. Hey, if you want to help us grow, 
you know, throw us some cheddar. You know what I mean? You don't need to push it. You don't need to do whatever. You just hope that, you know, maybe a little byline, it's very easy on you and you don't, you know, you don't need to push it. it might, I don't know. Might help, okay. right? I, I feel like that would be something that would might help you guys. Because I think if people appreciate it and they want it to exist. And that's kind of like Craigslist. I mean, they do like one push a year to get people to donate. But I mean, you look at yeah. Craig, or okay. Wikipedia, Craigslist, they do like one push a year. You know what I mean? To ask people for help. But otherwise, it's all crowdfunded and all donated, you know. Yeah, and and Maggie, if somebody does want to sponsor a route, yeah, how do they go about contacting you guys? <laughs> um, they can just email us. I just want uh, one brand to be like, "Wow, you guys are so cool! Here's ten thousand dollars," and then we could pay so many writers. We could hire a writer. We could hire an editor. We could hire someone to do the newsletter that I forgot to do until nine p.m. last night. You know, um, so all this money just goes back out into the community, and um, there's so many brands interested. We're also trying to figure out a way where we can have this be. Um, sustainable as far as funding the site without having it look like one giant ad. So we have calls um, between the three of us uh, once a week or so. And the last time we were chatting about, um, it's great to have these sponsored banners on routes. It's because um, it shows that people are involved and brands are involved in the community organizations. But also, um, you know, we don't want the whole thing to just look like a clickable banner. And so we're, we're still in the um, part of our journey, if you will, where we are trying to figure out um, what the best way to have money coming in is without having the whole site just look like an ad. So um, yeah, we're so grateful so far to what's come in and there's so many brands and organizations that are interested in funding and in being involved. So we're just trying to figure out the best way to do that. I have a one pager that I made on Canva, the free Canva. <laughs> I can send that out. I'm very excited about oh, it. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So on the on the ad thing, I just have to share an anecdote from my wife again, who's been doing a lot of uh, cooking during the pandemic, and mm -hmm. going to recipe websites. They are the worst. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> it's like, yeah. where the heck is the ad? And things are popping up, and it's just it's the worst experience ever. So, hats off and to you, you for through, finding like, an alternative. <laughs> trying to um yeah we also unlike recipe blogs we get you to the point we don't tell you two thousand words about my grandfather who has three fingers and lived in italy and discovered the new breed of olive and here's the recipe for some kind of pasta with an olive in it we just get you to the trail yeah um one other thing too like i think maybe it's worth saying again we, we did touch on when we had when we had shantae on how hard it is to actually because we all dream of like you think oh wow writing for outside magazine or backpacker magazine and how amazing that experience is but i don't think people really understand how really hard it is right and how difficult it is to make a living doing it yeah um people ask me <clears throat> for shortcuts or oh how do i do what you do it's like well um I was a nude model at the university. I taught climbing to children, and I don't like children. Um, I managed the catering company on the weekends, and I wrote on the side. And so I had four jobs while I was just starting to write. Now I have my side hustle at the coffee shop, and with the pandemic times, my side hustle at the coffee shop is actually a significant source of my income. And so, yeah, um, I have more glamorous bylines than I have ever before now that I'm full-time freelance, but each one of those bylines paid for, like maybe one paid my electric bill or one bought my cat's food for that month. And so 
um, I think I posted something because people think that um, you are just living the dream, which you are. My job is so cool and I'm so lucky and I love being able to write about myself, which is my favorite topic. But um, I also buy expired dairy products and I have to decide between getting a haircut and um, like, oh, that haircut was two different tanks of gas for my truck. And so my bills are high. My income is low. My job is really cool. <laughs> We'll just stay on job is really cool. I mean, we yeah, like that yeah, part. Yeah. yeah, that's all totally. some people are going to hear. Yeah, right? that. Job yeah, is that's cool. all people hear. It's like, oh, no, it looks, really... it looks super cool, but I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. Like, yeah. it's a constant hustle too. Right now, I'm completely overloaded with work and I'm really stressed. Last week, I was stressed because I didn't have enough work coming in, and so um, I mean, it's you. If you freelance, Jason, I don't know if you freelance yeah. or you have contracts. Yeah. You, okay. So yeah, in in any realm with freelancing. Um, you don't know where your next money's coming from. And so you frantically pitch a bunch of stuff and try to get different projects. They all happen at once um, or everybody rejects you at once. I lost a client two weeks ago and I cried and ate marshmallows and I'm like, okay, there goes that anchor client. Now I have to fill that gap. And so, no, I mean, it's, it's so cool. And I don't want to do anything else because I love this flexibility. Um, but also I am constantly stressed. So Maggie, what does 2021 have in store for you? I know I think um, personally I could say like it's the planning piece of right now is hard, right? Because we've sort of had yeah. to let go of like, I'm going to plan this and then it's all going to have to put up, be put on hold. But in your dream 2021, right, where all plans happen and nothing gets exploded by um, everything else that's happening in life, what are, what do you got in store for 2020, 2021? Um, well, I've, want to pay all my bills every month is my number i know this is so depressing but it's true um but on the fun side of things if all goes according to plan and life doesn't get in the way it's safe to do some sort of travel i would love to do um this ex not an experiment but i had this idea and i wrote it down immediately because i thought dang this is a cool idea i want to do one through hike in each season this year and so i'm not going to do the cdt and i'm not going to do the pct but I thought what this year showed me is that there are so many cool smaller trails out there, including my backpacking routes project and the Washington Trail and hiking on the Oregon Coast Trail and these small trails in Montana that I didn't know about. So, um, yeah, my goal is to do four through hikes. I'd like to do one in the spring, one in the summer, one in the fall, and one in the winter based on um, where they are in the country and the time allotment. Um, nothing over 500 miles. Um, I have a few ideas um, for summer because obviously that's the most varied. You can you have the most flexibility with a summer trail. Um, spring, I think, is the hardest to find a trail for. Um, but Jeff and I were talking about doing the Shelter We Trace Trail in Kentucky, which is 330 miles or so um, through kind of similar terrain that we were on in Arkansas and Oklahoma. And so um, that's tentative for April after Jeff is done with Barkley marathons. If those happen, it's all just so contingent on the world. Um, for summer, I would either love to do the long trail or the Colorado trail. For fall, I want to do the cost trail with my dad in New Hampshire um, to see the fall colors in New Hampshire again and um, spend some time with my dad. And then winter, probably Ozark Highland Trail. And so that that's my ultimate goal for the year is forest through hikes on trails that um, a lot of people don't necessarily see. Nice. And Maggie, just for listeners who may not know what we're talking about through hiking, like what sort of takes you from like a backpacking trip to a through hiking trip? Like, is, I mean, I know it might be a little bit gray. Yeah. What's but, like, the, what's the breakdown there? Yeah. Sure. Um, that's a really good question actually. And I feel like we're just so entrenched in this vernacular that we don't really think about it. But for me, a backpacking trip is going out on a trail or into a wilderness area and spending a couple of nights in the woods. A through hike is if you have a defined trail, whether it's a national scenic trail 
or governed by an organization or it's recognized as a trail with an eastern and a western terminus or a northern and a southern terminus and you are hiking from one end of the trail to the other so all four of those trails that i mentioned um have trail organizations and i guess five trails they have trail organizations they have um beginning and end points they have seasons that people hike them in um jeff and i hiked this kind of more nebulous trail the gallatin crest trail that i mentioned earlier um that's typically like about 40 45 miles depending where you go in and out but we consider that a through hike um most people take four days to do it and it goes from this one trailhead to this other trailhead and there's a gps drive for it and so yeah i mean i guess a through hike is a backpacking trip um i've always kind of thought of a through hike as anything that you can resupply on like if you need to resupply or whatever, like if you can go five days, six days, and you don't need to resupply everything in one, that's backpacking. But if there's like a resupply point in the middle, and you're unless you're doing it obviously legend style or somewhat, you know, or or like <laughs> FKT style, which is obviously they're covering crazy mm-hmm. amounts of distance, you know, in a short amount of time. But if there is a resupply, you can resupply or you need to. That that's kind of my what I always thought of as a through hike. But what about something, if someone doesn't need to resupply on the Wonderland Trail, but that is, I mean, most people would define that as a through-hike. Oh, you can, though. There's two places you can resupply. Um, there's a place where you can get, like, three, two to three cheeseburgers for lunch and five hot dogs for dinner, because Jeff and I did, did something like that when we did it. But, yeah, no, and it's a loop. So that kind of is funny, though, because when you mentioned that you thought it was, like, a northern and a southern terminus, obviously when you do the Wonderland mm-hmm. Trail, it's a loop, so you start – and finish mm-hmm. in the same spot. So that sort of wouldn't fit in it by there, but I definitely think of it as a through hike. We, we had a conversation with um, uh, Shante uh, in one of our yeah. past episodes where we talked about what's a through hike and when does it become a through hike. And um, I I think that we had the same similar discussion. It's like, oh, if you resupply, you get it. I'm kind of liking Maggie's definition. It's like a defined trail. <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be you know, a hundred miles or 500 miles, and it doesn't necessarily have to even be a resupply, you know, like it's a defined trail that's sort of, you know, named and signed and known and people, it's a route that mm-hmm. people do. Um, you know, looking on your, your website, Backpacking Roots, I'm, I was actually just looking at um, the Three Sisters Loop, for example, you know, which is uh-huh. right in my backyard, that's on my list to do. It's less than 50 miles, but I could, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a route that people do and why not it's a through hike sure mm-hmm. I yeah it. i kind of like yeah. the idea of <laughs> i love i agree i love maggie's concept of sort of that it's it's completing something right it's like a defined mm-hmm. like whether it's point to point whether it's a loop it's like a, it's mm-hmm. sort of like you're hiking through the trail in its entirety i don't know i don't know if I, maybe that, we've solved it yeah i don't I, I don't know though i don't know if that one that one rings is a is a is a through hike and not a backpacking trip to me because i look at something like the ray lakes loop you know what i mean i mean it takes you about a week to do but i see that as a backpacking trip not a through hike you know roughly the same okay thing. also i think depend, depends yeah. on somebody's yeah. speed too because sure, sure, one sure. person's three-day adventure yeah. is another person's and, and, and by the way adventure. i love backpacking trips so this is not like there's something wrong or something better about a through hike than a backpacking trip i just feel like if you're going to yeah. make a distinction, I almost look at it, okay, 10 miles a day, a week, and, like, anything below it is backpacking. And <laughs> something like that, you know what huh. I mean? Anything above it is, like, right? Anything above that would be, like, a through hike. I don't know. Something like uh, it that. Sounds it sounds a little bit up. like some some backpacking snobbery. I know, right? I, but it's not. No. Again, like, my, my favorite trips are, like, <laughs> I love, like, one- and two-night lake trips in the Sierra. You know what I mean? You hike up, you set up your mm-hmm. tent, you're there two days, and then you're home. I love those. So I, I don't think there's any – one is even better than the other. One is just a different experience from the other. 
I feel like there's a level of immersion you reach on a through hike that you don't on a backpacking trip, though. Right. I, I, so let me ask. Let yeah. me ask Maggie this then. So the Trans Catalina Trail is on Catalina Island off the coast of South, Southern California. It's yeah. um, I I it's like 41 miles, I think something somewhere around there. Yeah. And uh, it's a defined trail signed. It's really well under you know understood. People a lot of people do it. You know you do end to end typically um, through hike or backpack trip. Through hike. I think I would say, I I mean, um, this girl that wrote for the truck, she through hiked the Trans Catalina Trail. Yeah, see, that's I, a backpack. There you go. Miles and, yeah. yeah ugh, Jason, no. I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> what, unless you yeah. get gored by a bison. If you get gored by a bison, then I'll give you through hike. Otherwise, it's a backpacking trip. I, I'm I'm so in the I, it's a through hike because I've done it twice, so I'm going to count that as two through hikes right there. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, this isn't snobbery because I'm not again. I love the backpacking trips are great. I just I don't know. I feel like it's there, there's a certain thing on a through hike, you know that uh, how immersed are you in the wilderness? How far away are you separated? Well, the from... the, the, the flip side though, yeah. to you know the counterpoint to that, Jason, is that if I do. I could section hike the Trans Catalina Trail. I finally do a portion of it, you know, mm-hmm. one weekend, and then you know some other time. You know, I don't have time to do the whole thing or whatever, and I come back and do another section. I've section hiked the Trans Catalina Trail. Totally. No, I'm on yes. Depth team. I don't know. This is opinion-based, but I think there are right and wrong opinions. I would agree. My opinions are correct, and everyone else's are incorrect. I joke. I joke. joke. And and again, I am not in any way knocking down the validity of the of the Trans Catalina Trail. You know, I haven't done it, but it's on my list, and I do think it's amazing. So I heard it's actually harder than people think it is. Yeah, Yeah. it's way harder. Yeah. like up and down and up and down yeah. and up and down. No, no switchbacks totally. typically. You know, it's a lot of yeah. It's well. Then I'm going to throw out yeah. one, Jeff, that you and I have done. I don't know if, if the other two of it, but the Lost Coast Trail. Would you call that a through hike? Uh, I think by this definition, yeah, I think I would call it a through hike. Hmm. It's only 28 miles or whatever, but yeah, hmm. you know, it's got a defined route. Route. It's well documented, well known, well traveled. So. Hmm, interesting. Why not? I want to go and read your guide of it and see if you call it a through hike or a backpacking. Trip. I do not. I do not. <laughs> and I would just like to point out to listeners out there, it actually doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't at all. Oh my gosh, I I know. It, I, none of anything. us think it matters. I think it's funny because we're arguing on. Get sleep in the ground, have a good yeah. time. <laughs> like, we're backpacking, through hiking. On Instagram. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. We're debating yeah. the semantics, yet all of us are just locked in our own houses talking over. We, we all oh. wish we were on the Last the Coast Trail so, right yeah. now right. instead of, you know, yeah. looking at each other through Zoom or whatever. I, exactly. So I'm so, wearing my house slippers. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, no. And again, you can call it a through hike and I wouldn't, whatever. I just, I guess it's all like right now that because there is no defined definition, not only that, there's no governing body that could even like create like a definition at this point. Right. Like there's no like backpacking, whatever, I guess maybe the American hiking society could, or someone like that could, but I, I mean, I don't think they would. So, you know, I think backpacking has the power as a member of the we will once we uh, become a governing body over the trail organizations in the country. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Samaria is on the board of AHS, so she can put it out there and maybe have (laughs) the AHS like set the definition. definition. (laughs) No, we're actually the American Hiking Society. We're working on making it more accessible and having trails be more welcoming for everyone. So creating these cool. epic definitions i don't know if that's uh i think that would hurt the cause 
Although, oh, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, like, I would say, like, a thru-hike was probably more intimidating people. So you should make it harder to be a thru-hike because that's going to be more intimidating. Whereas if you call, like, the trans backpacking trip, more people are like, oh, I can do that. But if you say thru-hike, they're like, oh, man, I'm going to be out there for months, you know. It's going to be forever. Yeah, it's going to be forever, you know. Maggie, what away. are your uh, 2021 goals for your website, for the Backpacking Roots website? We want to pay our bills. Yeah. <laughs> Is this sounding familiar? No, um, we want to have eventually, I think, um, we want to have a library where if someone has any, any metric in mind, they're in any region of the country, they have any amount of time, they're looking at any difficulty level, we want them to have several options for any, any of those categories that they could possibly think of. And so it just means um, bringing in as much money as we need to to pay writers to make sure that happens. We have um, a pitch document attached to our website where people send in trails that they've hiked that they want to write up. Um, everyone who has written up a trail on backpacking routes has hiked it. And, um, and so and then it's, it's edited by us, <clears throat> Andrew and I, on the editorial side of things. Um, but then, yeah, basically, we just want to have a big enough library that anyone can look for a trail that fits what they need at that time and find something or have a few to choose from. Yeah. And I think that isn't the curation is an important thing. We've talked about this before. Obviously, I don't know if you know, Jeff has his uh, SoCal hiker. He writes a lot of online guides and we've had oh, a bunch cool. of other people that do that right on the show. And, and it is always like you look, do look at all trails and it's because it's crowdsourced and because anyone can write and you don't, you know, there's no sort of, uh, I don't know what editorial that, yeah. you know, thing yeah. place there. You never necessarily know what you're going to get. So it is, it is an important part to have like a curated edited um, guides. Yeah. I get questions all the time from people about all trails are like, Hey, all trails said this trail was open, but it was closed. And you know, it's like, mm -hmm. well, don't go to all trails for that information. Don't expect yeah. them to be the resource. No, exactly. Yeah. I think that, that, um, that was kind of one of the big things that we thought that there were no resources that we could find that were um, reliable, I guess. And so I wrote the style guide for backpacking routes and, um, and I have, um, a, it's like two pages long, I think. And it says like, this is the structure that we want um, for each of these trail profiles. So when you click on it, you know what you're getting, you know that you're getting Google maps links to the trailhead. You're getting instructions on how to get to the trailhead. You're getting four or five paragraphs describing what hiking the trail is like. You're getting some resupply information if they need it. You're getting a button that says map it here that links to a downloadable GPS track. And so, um, and then you're getting the categories at the top on how hard it is, where it's located, what the region is, and then it all links to different parts of the site that can show you other options as well. And so just kind of this content mapping kind of came from my experience managing content um, for other websites where I was like, okay, this is what people want to see. And this is what the most valuable information is. This is what I want to see when I look up a backpacking route. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maggie, what is your favorite way to track your routes uh, technology wise? Um, Jeff GPS tracks files. them all because I hate tracking them. <laughs> I do. I wish. I, was I wish you were going to be like, answer. I have this super easy GPX tracking route that I love. <laughs> no, everything, <laughs> Samira, everything is hard for me. I make everything <laughs> harder than it has to be. Um, and so I think, Jeff, are you tracking this? And he's like, yes. Yeah. So um, Jeff has a Coros Global Watch, and I have a somewhere hotspot that I can text from if I want to. And um, I'm reviewing it and I have to learn how to use it. So, um, that's my answer. I'm sorry. It's not any better. All good. We should, we could plug, I mean, again, no sponsorship or whatever, but plug Gaia again. That's kind of, I know that's Jeff and I, our favorite sort of, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. So Gaia, I mean, so. um, Gaia is our mapping partner right now with backpacking yeah. rats. So if you click on the Gaia link, we get part of the money. <laughs> 
Hey. <laughs> but that that's a good one. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's obviously yeah, enjoying Gaia. Garmin has a bunch of things. There's a bunch of different uh, ways to do that. Um, Onyx actually, um, Onyx used to be, I worked in the hunting industry for a while, and Onyx was kind of the main <clears throat> um, land and travel planning for the hunting industry. And they actually, they're um, growing their backcountry travel and trail library a lot right now. And so I heard that, um, yeah, the new Onyx apps are going to, be pretty intense um i also mean like i like using gut hook for trails that gut hook has and then um i we used i built the maps on gaia so somehow i became the person who created these routes for backpacking routes even though i'm the least qualified and most easily frustrated and so i um build them in gaia and then that's what we download from nice i suck at it though they're all accurate but like it takes me a really long time and i usually like want to rip my hair out (laughs) yeah so i was hiking with airborne um a, a few weeks ago and uh, he was saying he was using a hunting app. I forget which one it was, but I guess there's like there are a lot of like hunting apps. I guess it was an app. That, you might know the name of it. Maybe it is that Onyx thing, where it tells you who owns the pro- the, the land that you're like mm-hmm. adjacent to. You yeah, know, that's Onyx. Like, what They're a great awesome. idea, right? I mean, keep yeah. them from getting shot in some places in the U.S., right? <laughs> I mean, like yeah, you'd hope. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. But but yeah, that's kind of a neat idea, you know. And I guess I you know again, I've always thought there's so much crossover between hunters and hikers, but it's funny that there isn't more like cross pollination or more collaboration, you know. But mm-hmm. There guess, should be. There's so many resources on both sides yeah. that we could share. I've been in both worlds. Yeah. No, and yeah. absolutely. Like we have national parks because Teddy Roosevelt liked to shoot things. Hunting is honestly. <laughs> Can that just be a bumper sticker? I, it should be because I mean that's kind of the yeah, reality seriously. of it. And, and even though yeah. I don't want to hunt, it's not for me. I mean, hey, they're doing it. You know, most of what they hunt is deer and whatnot. You know, it's it's regulated. They're not over. You know, as long as they're not whatever. So yeah. There isn't hunting in national parks, but we'll just leave it at that. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. But the conservation movement did, did, did come out. A lot of it did come out of hunting. So yeah. Um, I think what Teddy wanted was he wanted places where they could breed and live, and then they, when they crossed the border into the national forest, he could shoot them. I think that was his. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Teddy wanted. I think that was his idea. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, honestly, Maggie, it's been great having you on. It's nice to meet you at least on Zoom after you know having listened to you talk for a month and on my screen. Oh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, well, where can people find you? Where can they find backpacking routes, social media, everything? How can people find out about what you're up to? Um, you can find me on Instagram with my name. Um, it's false representation of my day-to-day life, but it also links to my writing, which is awesome. And you should read everything I write. And then backpacking routes is the love of my life and you should find it. And, um, also sponsor a route. <laughs> yeah. Sponsor a route. You should, that would actually be a really cool thing to have like a little donate button. Honestly, Maggie on the website, just to donate to sponsor a route. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I, sh- I know. I totally should. I'm going to talk to Jeff about this because you're right. I'm yep. also going to talk to Jeff about this. I'm going to I'm going to text Jeff and tell him to do it. So. If, okay. If it makes yeah. it easier for it, you, I'll do that. So. It does. Love it. Okay. <laughs> and I, I like the the uh, the description you gave for your Instagram: false representation <laughs> of my everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> that should yeah. be in your bio, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's bio. It, it, yeah, it, it is actually exactly. her trail name, though. It is her trail name, so that's, that's... What's my trail name? I don't have a trail name. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, these are carefully curated images to make me seem outdoorsy so people hire me to write about outdoorsy things. Awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Maggie, and, and, thanks, uh, and, and take care. All right. Bye. Thank you so much. Great talking. Bye. Well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. On Instagram at almostthere underscore AP or the Almost There Adventure Podcast on Facebook. 
You can find Severia at Adventure Us Women. That's Adventure US Women. Jeff at The SoCal Hiker. Or me at The Muir Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, please make sure to check out our show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. Coming up next week on our month of celebrating women in the outdoors, we talk to Sapna Reddy, amazing landscape and nature photographer. So don't miss that. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>